We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. So that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Paul tells them, hey, no, the tribulation hasn't begun. The man of sin will be revealed at the beginning of the tribulation. The man of sin hasn't been revealed yet, so it it hasn't started yet. That's that's what Paul's saying here. And so the tribulation is going to begin with the revealing of the Antichrist or with this world leader that's going to come to power in the world. It's just going to come on the scene. There are so many questions that people have when it comes to the end times. One big question that most people have is, when will it happen? There are many clues in the Bible that show when the time is coming near, but no one can be certain for sure. In today's message, Pastor Dan will be sharing some verses out of Revelation that can help give us clues. There are some things that the Bible points out clearly, and others that will just remain a mystery. We can take comfort in knowing that God won't be surprised. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Revelation chapter 6 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. As we work our way through Revelation, you're going to see that the judgment of God is in three phases. First, there's the seven seal judgments, followed by the seven trumpet judgments, and then followed by the seven bowl judgments. And we're just going to look at the first four seal judgments today. Uh, And these first four judgments are sometimes referred to as the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And maybe you've heard that phrase before. If you've never studied the book of Revelation, you may have heard of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. This is where it comes from. Each of these first four judgments that we're going to go through today, each of them uh, uses the imagery of horses and horsemen riding on horses and bringing judgment to the earth. We're going to see a white horse followed by a red horse, followed by a black horse, and then finally a, a pale horse. Now, why does, why does God use the imagery here of horses? Everything in the Bible has meaning. Everything. Everything in the Bible is, is saying something. And so what is the significance then of horses? Well, the significance is lost on us uh, living in the 21st century in the United States Probably most of us here have very little experience with horses, except maybe riding a pony at the county fair or something like that. But there's a a purpose in this. There's a meaning in this that was meaningful for those living in that time, in that culture, that Near Eastern 
culture and to those living at that time in that culture, in their minds, horses symbolize power and battle and conquest. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem, not on a horse, but on a donkey, a beast of burden, because he came bringing salvation. He came to bear the burdens of our sins. And that's why he's on a colt. That's why he's on a donkey. When he comes a second time, he's going to come riding on a horse. He's going to come to conquer. He's going to come to judge the earth on a horse. Horses were a sign of power. They were a sign of judgment. They were a sign of war in the mind of those living in that region in the Near East. I just want you to listen to this description from Job chapter 39. Listen to what Job says and how he describes a horse, beginning in verse 19. This is the Lord speaking to Job. Have you given the horse strength? Have you clothed his neck with thunder? Can you frighten him like a locust? His majestic snorting strikes terror. He paws in the valley and rejoices in his strength. He gallops into the clash of arms. He gallops into battle. He mocks at fear and is not frightened, nor does he turn back from the sword. The quiver rattles against him, the glittering spear and javelin. He devours the distance with fierceness and rage, nor does he come to a halt because the trumpet has sounded. And at the blast of the trumpet, he says, Aha! He smells the battle from afar, the thunder of captains and shouting. Not exactly the pony at the fair, is it? See, horses in their mind were, were powerful. They were strong. They were racing off into battle. They were conquering. They were a, a, a symbol of, of strength. Uh, in 1917, just to give you, you know, taking you back to your Western civilization class that you took in your freshman year of college. 1917, when the British Army captured Jerusalem from the Ottoman Empire. The British commander, Edmund Allenby, when he entered into the city of Jerusalem for the first time, before he entered the city, he deliberately dismounted off his horse and he walked into the city of Jerusalem on foot because he understood in the minds of those living in Jerusalem what it would symbolize if he came riding into the city on a horse. It would communicate to the people that he has conquered them. And he wasn't there to conquer them. And so he purposely walked in on foot. Because in the minds of those living in the Near East, in that region, a horse symbolized conquering. It symbolized strength and battle and force. And so here you have these four horses in Revelation. And these four horses, they communicate a swift conquest. The judgment of God will be swift and powerful on the earth. That's what's going to be in the minds of those reading this in that day. Look at verse 1. Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals on the scroll, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked, and behold... 
a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. And so the Lamb, Jesus Christ, he opens the first seal on the scroll, which allows him to unroll a portion of the scroll. And when he opens this seal, one of the four living creatures, remember them from chapter 4, the four living creatures, the cherubim, who are around the throne of God, worshiping him day and night. One of those four living creatures, it says, spoke with a voice like thunder, with a loud, booming voice. He said, come and see. Much more booming than that, I'm sure. And then when Jesus opens the second scroll, the second living creature yells, come and see. And then with the third seal, when Jesus opens the third seal, the third living creature says, come and see. And when Jesus opens the fourth seal, guess what? The fourth living creature says, come and see. And what's going on here? Why do these four living creatures keep saying, come and see, come and see, come and see, come and see? Well, these four living creatures are not talking to John. They're not telling John to come and see. John's already in heaven. He's already there. He's already seeing, seeing everything. And they they certainly wouldn't repeat it to John four times. I mean, John John would be like, hey, I'm I'm here. Like, I see, you know, like, I, I can't get any closer. I might get trampled by one of those horses. So what's going on? Well, this word come in the Greek, it's the word ergomai. And the word can also be translated go, go. Or, you know, the idea here is come forth, go. And so each time that one of these four living creatures said this, if you look, right after they said it, one of the riders went forth on his horse. And so these four living creatures are saying this to the horse and the rider. And the living creatures are sending forth the horse and the rider onto the earth. So to each rider, the living creature says, Go! And the rider goes, Go! And they're sending forth these horsemen on their horses onto the earth. And they say, Go! And the horseman takes off and gallops down to the earth, bringing this judgment and to accomplish God's purposes. So the living creature says, Go! And the horse and the rider, they're off. Look at verse 2. I looked and behold a white horse. And he who sat on it had a bow. That's like a bow and arrow, not a rainbow. And a crown was given to him and he went out conquering and to conquer. So this first horse, this white horse goes and rides across the earth. And this is the beginning now of the tribulation period. So who is this? Who is this rider on the white horse? horse. Many who read this immediately think, well, this is Jesus Christ. He's on a white horse. Jesus is going to be on a white horse in Revelation chapter 19. So this must be Jesus. I don't believe this is Jesus. I don't believe this is Jesus. First of all, Jesus is in heaven opening the seals of the scroll. You know, he he can't be both in heaven opening the seals and on the horse riding to earth at the same time to judge the earth. Plus, there's several differences between Jesus and this rider on the white horse. Uh, first of all, this rider has a bow. Uh, Revelation 19, Jesus comes with a sword, the word of God. So the weapon's different. This rider has a crown. The Greek word here is Stephanos. Uh, if you have the name Stephen, it comes from this word. 
A Stephanos crown, it was a temporary crown. It was a laurel wreath. It was a crown that was awarded to someone for victory or for conquering. It was a crown that was given to somebody who won a a sports event, who won a race, uh, that kind of thing. It was a trophy. And the Bible tells us that Jesus is crowned with many crowns in Revelation 19, but the crown that he wears, it's a different Greek word. It's a diadem. A diadem is the crown worn by a king. And Jesus has many crowns because he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So they have a different crown. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. Plus in chapter 19, when Jesus comes to the earth on his white horse, that signals the end of the judgment. That signals the end of the tribulation period. This guy, he comes at the beginning of the judgment. When Jesus comes in chapter 19, his return is followed by the kingdom age and peace on earth. When this guy in chapter 6 comes on the white horse, he's followed by war and death and pestilence and chaos on the earth, not peace. So I I believe that this rider on the white horse in chapter 6, verse 2, is the Antichrist. The Antichrist will bear resemblance to Jesus Christ, uh, but he's a counterfeit. He's a counterfeit to Jesus We hear the word Antichrist, and we think, well, the Antichrist, he's going to be on a black horse with a black cape and a black hat because he's a bad guy. No, no, the the whole world is going to receive and embrace this world leader that the Bible calls the Antichrist. They're going to look to him as the savior of the world. They're going to look to him as the one who can fix all the world's problems. And they're going to put their faith and trust in him instead of Jesus. That's what the name Antichrist means. It means in place of Christ. So I I believe that this is describing the Antichrist here. And the Antichrist has many different titles in the Bible. Uh, In Revelation, he's called the Beast. He's, He's not even called the Antichrist in Revelation. He's called the Beast. He's also called the Lawless One. He disregards God's law. He's called the Son of Perdition. He's called the Man of Sin. He's called the desolator. Uh, in Revelation 13, 7, we're told that this, this person will rule the whole world. In Daniel chapter 8, verse 25, we're told that he will be a master at deception. Imagine that, a politician who's a liar and a deceiver. Can you believe it? It really will be the tribulation, won't it? But people are going to believe him. Just like we believe our politicians today when they promise us the world. People are going to believe this guy when he comes on the scene and he promises to bring peace to the world, peace to the Middle East, to end terrorism, to fix the economy. He's going to do it all for us. And people are going to believe him. He's going to deceive them and people are going to embrace him. 
Second Thessalonians chapter 2, we're told that he's empowered by Satan. And we'll have more to say about the Antichrist later on in the book of Revelation. Uh, but the tribulation begins with the Antichrist coming on the scene and coming to world power. Uh, turn with me over to Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, there were some that were teaching falsely in Thessalonica uh, that the tribulation had already begun and that the world was already in the tribulation period. There are people today that teach that we are in the tribulation period right now. Uh, I think, though, as you see, as we go through the different judgments, and you see what these judgments entail, you're going to realize we're not in the tribulation period. It's not happening yet. But in Thessalonica, there were false teachers teaching that the tribulation had already begun and that the church was going to go through the tribulation. So Paul writes to correct that error, and he says here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, Let no one deceive you by any means. There are people getting deceived by false teachers. For that day, the day of the Lord, will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed. This is speaking of the Antichrist. The man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Paul tells them, hey, no, the tribulation hasn't begun. The man of sin will be revealed at the beginning of the tribulation, he, the man of sin hasn't been revealed yet, so it, it hasn't started yet. That's, that's what Paul's saying here. And so the tribulation is going to begin with the revealing of the Antichrist, or with this world leader that's going to come to power in the world. It's just going to come on the scene. You think about, uh, think about our current president. I'm not, I'm not saying he's the Antichrist. I'm just saying first elected office, the White House. You think about our president before him, Barack Obama, just to keep it equal. Uh, he was elected to the state senate of Illinois. Ten years later, he's elected to the White House. That's how quick somebody can come to power today and have the most powerful elected office in the world. Just come on the scene and gain power. You look here, and by the way, again, I believe the church is going to be in heaven before the tribulation begins, I don't think we're going to know who the Antichrist is. I don't think he's going to be revealed before the Lord calls the church to heaven. So I don't really care who the Antichrist is. Uh, I'm not, you know, so don't talk to me after the service about who you think it is. I don't care. I'm not going to be here. Okay? But look at the verse again here in Revelation 6. I notice he has a bow, but he does not have arrows which tells us that this world leader, when he comes on the scene, he's going to gain power peacefully. Not militarily, not through war, but he's going to gain power peacefully. Daniel chapter 9, verse, uh, verse 27 says, The prince who is to come, speaking of the Antichrist, he will make a treaty for seven years. This is where we get the idea of a seven-year tribulation. As part of that treaty, uh, the Jewish people will be allowed to rebuild their temple in Jerusalem and start their sacrificial system again halfway through that seven years. He's going to force them to stop, it tells us in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. He's going to go into the temple. He's going to declare that He is God and that people should worship Him. 
This is what the abomination that makes desolation is that Jesus references in Matthew 24. And Jesus says to the people that are living in Israel at that time, when you see the abomination of desolation, run for your lives. Run for your lives. Head to the hills. Because that's when all hell is really going to break loose upon the earth. And so this seven-year treaty uh, really marks the, the beginning of the tribulation period. And so the first seal, the Antichrist, comes on the scene and is able to take power peacefully. And then in verse 3, we have the second seal. And when he opens the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see, another horse, fiery red, went out. And it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. So this second horse was fiery red or blood red, and he will take peace from the earth. The earth, the world will be filled with violence during the tribulation period like never before. People will kill one another, it tells us there. If you're taking notes, that word kill, it's literally the word slaughter. It's the word used elsewhere in the Bible for the slaughtering of an animal sacrifice, a lamb that's slaughtered. People will slaughter one another during the tribulation period. And this word sword, he'll have a great sword. This is an interesting word. The Greek word that's used here is not the word for sword. It's not talking about a large sword that a soldier uses. This is a small dagger. This is a small knife. This is something you can conceal. This is something that you can put in your pocket, like a pocket knife. Uh, This is something that was used as an everyday tool to cut meat or cut rope. What is it saying? It's saying that the fighting and the killing that is going to result from the rider on the red horse or the red horseman that will take peace from the earth. It's not going to be nation against nation and kingdom against kingdom. That's going to happen too, Jesus tells us. But the fighting and killing that results from this red horseman is going to be person killing person. There's just going to be violence in the earth. A disregard for life. Where people are killing each other. Neighbor killing neighbor kind of thing. It's not not military against military. And he's talking about all over the world, people will be killing each other. The world will be filled with violence and hate and murder. And you, you might be sitting there thinking, well, wait a minute. Isn't the world already filled with violence and hate and murder? Nothing like the tribulation period. Understand, it says in Thessalonians, that, that the world right now is under restraint But once the church is removed, the restraint will be lifted from the world. And then you'll see violence in the world and killing in the world like we've never seen. Now we open the third seal, verse 5. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come and see, or, or go. So he sends off this third horseman. So I looked, and behold, a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius. And do not harm the oil and the wine. So this third horseman rides a black horse. Black is the color of famine in the Bible. If you're taking notes, Lamentations chapter 5 verse 10 says, The famine has blackened our skin as though baked in an oven. Also, Jeremiah chapter 14, verse 2, speaking of famine, Judah mourns, the gates thereof languish, they sit in black 
on the ground, and the cry of Jerusalem has gone up because of the famine. So black is a color associated with famine in the Bible. And if you think about it, oftentimes when you have war, you have violence, you have people living in fear, the fields are left unattended. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Currently, Pastor Dan is teaching through the book of Revelation, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Many questions might arise as you listen to these messages about the end times. If you're wondering about something you heard today, would you give us a call? Our number is 410-491-4592. We'd be happy to talk with you about anything you heard today or to hear about how these messages are impacting your life. We'd also love to know about any prayer requests you might have. Once again, that number is 410-491-4592. Would you be willing to pray for the ministry of Ring of Truth? So many listeners may be hearing life-changing news that they might not hear anywhere else. This is a tremendous opportunity to reach people who are lost and without a Savior. We value your prayers for these important messages that are going out. Pray that lives would be changed and that God's kingdom would greatly multiply because of the truth of His Word. Thanks so much for listening today. If you'd like to hear more messages like this one, we encourage you to go to calvaryec.com. Next time, Pastor Dan will continue on this peculiar book of the Bible. Revelation is one of the many that are curious about but find it hard to understand. We trust that God's giving you some clarity by listening to Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that crack. Reach true.